welcome to Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City is Tim Bontemps. Hello, everybody. Bontemps, I hear you're going out to Denver this weekend to see uh, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, too. There is a clash of the Titans again. Second time in 12 days. Been told by the big man himself he's going to be playing in the game if he's healthy. So I believe I got to check. Philly played. Philly plays tonight, Thursday night against the Pacers. So knock on wood. Joel has no issues in the game today, and then he'll be playing Saturday. Weren't you in Denver last year, and then they didn't play? Weren't you there? Didn't you travel there for that? I did. I did travel there. I traveled there. Ironically, I traveled there to see the Bucks and the Cel- and the Sixers in back-to-back games in Denver, which is what is happening again this year, uh, albeit in the opposite order. Noteworthy stuff going on on Monday, too. But hopefully we see Joel and Jokic. First time Joel will be playing there in four years, so it'd be good to see him play there. Okay, that looks. We can all look forward to that. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, where he was involved in another banning temporarily, at least, is Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners, fellas. Done a lot of soul searching, a lot of social media scrolling. Ooh, ouch! Uh, I've reconsidered <laughs> my career path after the events of the last twenty-four hours. <coughs> I no longer intend to run for mayor of Dallas. My political <laughs> ambitions have been crushed. So well, you you're stuck with me here on the Hoop Collective, baby. <laughs> here to stay. Need the Wolf of Wall Street thing in the background <laughs> right now. I'm not believing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in case you missed it, another classic McMahon moment at a press conference. What? I mean, what did I do? Reported the uh, obvious? And yeah, I got my ground? It's yeah, not a McMahon I got, moment. It sure was. It was a McMahon moment. Come on. I got something. No, no, no. I got something to say about this on my guy's behalf. I'm tired of people acting like the job of the media is to walk into the press conference and say, oh, how great is it to be in the presence of you? Great player. It's not what the job is. Like, give me a break. Like this nonsense with Luca yesterday was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. You guys, people probably see McMahon sitting in the seats on TV. It's right next to the bench. It's right next to the seats. You can hear everything that's going on. It's the guy not was like literally is- two rows behind me. Yeah, it's not like this is something that was made up. You literally reported what the guy said, and this turns into Luke. Right. Oh, you're being mean to me. You're being well, mean. It wasn't exactly an exclusive. Like everybody on press row reported it for some I, reason. He saw mine first, so I was. But the, honestly, that part's not important. Luca being upset with me is irrelevant in the big picture. You know, as Bontemp said, there are a long list of people who have in their job description the requirement that they have to kiss Luka Doncic's ass or Superstar X's ass. That is not my job. I think much more relevant and interesting and overshadowed in this whole mix is this week, it's been pretty clear that Jason Kidd does not consider that to be part of his job. He, I would say delicately, you could say passively, called the Mavericks out for constant complaining to officiating and losing their focus and getting frustrated by the refs after Monday's loss to the Celtics. He did it again after Wednesday's loss to the Suns, but he he was specific with Luka Doncic. Now, also Grant Williams, which is a whole nother story, and we're not going to spend any time on that because let's be honest, who cares about the seventh or eighth man? We do care about a perennial first-team All-NBA player about an MVP candidate. And the simple fact of the matter is, this is what happened in that game. The Mavericks are up 16 midway through the second quarter. Luke is lighting it up, just as he often does against the Phoenix Suns. It's like Christmas all over again. And then the Suns go on a run. They cut the lead to one at halftime. 
which Luca limps off the court. He twisted that right ankle that's been bothering him, causing him to miss some time. And he's fussing, and I can't say he's cussing, but he's complaining to the officials all the way as he limps towards the tunnel. He got teed up. The second half started with Devin Booker making a technical free throw to tie the score. He scored 21 more points in that quarter. So he had 22 points in the quarter, more than the entire Mavericks team. The lead went from Mavs up one to start the quarter to Mavs down 28 when Luka decided to grow rabbit ears and get upset because a fan, an obnoxious guy who was swigging some Modellos, wearing an El Valley Devin Booker jersey, said, Luca, you're tired. Get your ass on a treadmill. And hey, not a pleasant thing to say, but it's not like out of bounds and heckling. And was it the first thing the guy said the whole game? No, but it, nothing rose above like obnoxious fan heckling. It, nothing was, you know. And so it gets down to this. 48 hours after his head coach calls Luca out for letting his frustration affect his focus, he melted down for an entire quarter when the Mavericks got outscored by 23 points and run off, run out of their own gym. Sorry, that's a story. Well, and every year you're chronicling whether he's going to get suspended because he's bumping up against technical foul limit, right? This is an annual exactly discussion. And as you wrote in your story, and I would say, I mean, I have some history with Jason Kidd too. I would say he pretty flatly said that Luca needs to be better with the refs. No, I last mean, night he it, sure did. That Yeah, like the, the direct quote was, in your story, you wrote, how can Kidd and the Mavs help Doncic manage that issue? That's a great question. Don't have an answer. We'll talk to him about it. He's a competitor. He likes to have discussions with the referees, but he has to be better. And as a group, we have to be better. So like you said, the whole group thing doesn't matter. Like the guy in charge of the team is constantly yelling at the refs. He's constantly distracted yep. by the refs. It's been a years long problem now. And it's just, he just has to be better at managing his emotions in the game. Like this has to be. And then, you know, our job again is not to kiss their butts, but it's to chronicle the careers and specifically of the faces of the league in, in a lot of cases, which Luca unquestionably is. I mean, there's a handful of players who have proven they're good enough to be the best player on a championship team and a handful of players who pretty clearly have that ability. And he's in that second handful without question. And, you know, look, the vast majority of time that I write about him or talk about him, it's extolling his greatness because he is a historically great talent who has significant flaws. One is just the constant complaining and, and loss of composure. Two, which he has taken significant steps to address this season but it's still a sensitive issue, is his conditioning. And again, that has improved. Clearly, he didn't like hearing about it uh, the other night, which I, I get He didn't it. like hearing about it because Booker was busting his backside and he hates Booker. He hates losing yep. to Booker. And and Booker was pretty entertained by the whole thing, I will say. Certainly, <laughs> he certainly was. Well, I love how Booker leans into this rivalry. That. I love how he leans into the rivalry. It's, they both there last it's, it's, it's a great rivalry they, on both sides. They both hate each mm -hmm. other. They both hate losing to each other. It's awesome. This is the kind of stuff that we like to see in the league. It's great. Yeah, it's and what, think about so just, just so the listeners know, McMahon, tell them how Booker leaned into it. Well, let me. Let me... I have it right here. I have, it, I have it right here if you don't have it there. I appreciate the support, Booker told me, man. <laughs> I don't know what he said. I hope he didn't cross too many lines, and I'll be getting his information. If you can find it, let me know. <laughs> he then went on yes. to say, I hope what he did wasn't too disrespectful, but I know in these crowded environments, we played a playoff series here. I've heard countless numbers of things. 
Usually you don't hear it at home. I'm sure that was a different thing for Luca, but it's part of the game. I usually don't let what I hear bother me. Nice little jab yeah. at the end. Like now, a nice little jab at the end. And look, Booker's obviously had his his things with the fans. And and he he also was like, hey, I enjoy the friendly banter. And I also I didn't this didn't make the story just because there was a lot to get in there last night, but I asked KD about it. And listen, on on uh online and in person, KD's had a few interactions yes. with fans. We all understand yes. that. And so K- KD's got digital ears. He's got rabbit digital ears. <laughs> and so I asked KD about it, and, and um, KD said, "Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk to me about handling heckers, hecklers." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, true. he laughed. He says, "It might be a little, a little different because I'll heckle them back, and that's really what the exchange is. It's a, it's a quick exchange of fans." He said, "I don't think too deeply about it. Somebody talks shh to me, I'll talk it back, and we'll move on. That's usually how it goes." I mean, look. The, the, the simple fact of the matter is Luca got frustrated, completely lost his focus. The Mavericks as a team followed his lead and melted down the entire third quarter. And then he had a thin-skinned interaction or overreaction rather, where he requested for a loud mouth heckler wearing a Devin Booker jersey in Luca's house, which Those is good seats. disrespectful in its own regard, requested for the guy to be ejected. I mean, it was a mid-game request and then he followed up because it, it was the last minute of the third quarter, then he followed up during the break between quarters. Now, I did get a call from a, a high-ranking Maverick source today. They wanted to clarify the fan was not actually ejected. After Luca pointed him out to security, an arena staffer came over and, and had a conversation with him. I am told that the fan exited voluntarily. But again, the story's not that the guy got ejected. It's that Luca, I, Luca asked for him to be ejected. And by the way, Luca thought the guy got ejected. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure so, the guy voluntarily left a really good seat for a game where his guy's team was uh, blowing out the the guy uh, against him's team. I'm sure. Well, I'm he sure he bring, just got up and said, "Ah, you know, it's okay. I'll 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 exit stage right." Well, he look, did bring the Modelo Tallboy with him, and it wasn't his first. <laughs> look, my my opinion on it is fans can say what they want, but I don't think it's good form to cross the line and get personal like that. Obviously. That's not going to change. That's the nature of uh, fandom. Yeah. I also think that it's so frustrating watch watching Luca play. He's one of the most talented players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely magic and with the ball. And I can't take it. No, it's, it's it's unbearable to watch. And I'm going to tell you, like you guys heard me tell this story from. Over you're the talking summer. about the complaining, the constant complaining to referees. I can't take about. it. It's it's yeah. un. Bearable. I just, you know, and that face that he makes, I mean, I can close my eyes. I can just see the face. I'm just like, I don't like, look, and I, I admit the guy gets hit and doesn't get called all the time. He, right. he frequently has a case, but the way he goes about it, I mean, I'm just talking about the aesthetics of the game. I'm not even talking yeah, but, about but, and, effect and, and, on his team. Like it's unwatchable. What Jake Kidd is trying to get through to him. And honestly, at, at times in the last couple of years, Jake Kidd has done this before. He's picked his spots and called Luke out. And Luke has been receptive to it and been publicly accountable. These last two games, he basically like, you know, that's what he said. That's that's an exact quote after the Celtics game. That's what he said. And then, well, do you think it was a factor? No. And, what, you know, against, uh, the last night against the um, Suns, he also basically said he didn't think that losing focus with the refs was, was a factor. But it's like, it's counterproductive. It's counterproductive because he does lose focus. He worries more about the three refs than the five guys on the floor wearing the other team's jersey. 
It's also counterproductive because, and this is what Jay Kidd mentioned last night, when you are going ballistic and complaining about a call 30 seconds into the game, it's like, dude, they're going to tune you out. And then it's the ref's job not to take it personally. Just like, frankly, it's our job for sure not to take right. it personally when a start like, look, well, he's frustrated. Okay. I get it. I'm not like, I piss people off. I understand that. That's life. Well, I told but, you guys, you know, about the, what happened in the world cup where, you know, he got ejected as they got eliminated. And in that case, he was, <laughs> this was an all timer for me. You know, he was heckling the executive. I don't remember yeah. the name is the lead, the lead executive of FIBA. He was the president of FIBA, right? Yeah. He was, he was, he was heckling a fan in the second row. The president was sitting in the second row. Right. He came over yeah, to right. center court and heckled them about the officials and then got soon ejected. So he, he overheats. And when you overheat on a consistent basis with referees, at best, they'll, they'll tune you out. At worst, they will succumb to the human nature of saying, you know what, man, screw that guy. He ain't getting the benefit of the doubt from me. Well, and it's also just, it's also just, if you're going to be that obsessed with the referees or anything other than the game itself you can't be fully focused on what's mm -hmm. in front of you right but that, like yeah. well, forget the aesthetic part i agree it's annoying to watch sometimes but it's it's much more relevant to me that for as great as he is if you're that focused on the refs you can't be that focused as focused as you need to be on the games and like you said last night's a great example for wednesday night playing that game it's a competitive game yeah Kyrie's not playing but they're winning the game Yep. And then all of a sudden, their whole team goes to hell. It's not surprising that the, the head of the snake being completely distracted plays a part in that. Like, well, if you're and, the leader of the team, you just cannot lose your cool like that on a regular basis, and he does all the time. And, you know, Jay Kidd is attempting to manage it. Uh, you know, you can say whether you think his techniques are uh, wise or not, whatever. It also is difficult when the face of the ownership group, no longer the majority owner, but Mark Cuban, the guy who's calling all the shots, is a lot of times during these timeouts, during the breaks and play between quarters, right next to Luca yelling at the refs. And yeah, that's been going on for 20 years. Yes. I'm just saying it, it, sets a, it sets a tone. And as he's watching the game, like this Whirly Bird re replay thing, Cuban's been doing that for years, but he's not. He, he's been doing it before there was such a thing as a replay challenge. Because what yeah. he's doing is he's telling the people who run the jumbotron play that again, play that right. again. And by the way, funny little aside here. So you saw the crazy uh, Jalen Brown crossover that sent Luca to the floor. And then look, Luca was like, "Hey, you know, great move. Like, you know, you got me. Whatever. Can't blame the officials well, for that one." No, and 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 Luca kind of had fun with that post game, but people were like, "Why in the world did the American Airlines Center?" That's what Tim Hardaway didn't Tim Hardaway freak oh, out? Oh yeah, so they show it on the big screen, right on the jumbotron or whatever you want to call it, and Hardaway is screaming. I mean, I know profanity is very offensive, but Luca didn't seem too bothered with Hardaway saying multiple expletives towards those folks. <laughs> uh, what the F you doing? Are, are we home or are we away? Stop that stuff, whatever. Well, the reason that they played it, it was because Cuban did the old whirly bird thing because he thought that uh, Brown pushed off. There was oh no push God. off. There was just a hell of a move. Beautiful storytelling. I love that. That's great stuff, baby. Cuban, yeah, so, oh my God. So Jalen Brown that. was asked about after the game. Brown was like, they replayed that here? 
He said, somebody should be fired. Well, <laughs> you can't fire that guy. <laughs> you can't fire the guy who was responsible for it. Oh my nope. God. I love that. So is it story time? Can I tell a story about a player screaming at the, at the scorer's table or do we not, do we not yes, want to break the flow was story here? time with Wendy? Remember, he's now, a, he's now a, uh, a head coach in Europe. Sharunas Yesikavishis mm-hmm. played for the Indiana Pacers. So he was playing for the Pacers and I was covering a game in Cleveland and was right at the end of the third quarter. And uh, the Cavs public address announcer, uh, gorgeous, deep voice. I think he's uh, with the, does the games in Brooklyn now. He had a uh, bathroom emergency, couldn't make it till the end of the third quarter. So he sprinted out and called over the in arena host, like sort of the backup guy. Well, it was, it was a blowout game. It was 25 points into the third, but the worst possible thing happened, which was Sharunas Yesikavishis, one of the hardest names you could pronounce in the NBA scored. Oh. So the correct thing to do in this point is just to say nothing. It's just, uh, you know, don't announce the opposing player scoring. It's, it's happened before. It's no big deal. But the guy tried to do it. And, you know, it's not his job to learn the pronunciation of the visiting players. His job is to say, who wants a free T-shirt? You know? <laughs> he's a hype man. He's, he's not a PA guy. So, and the other thing about Yesikavishis, Saris, as they call him in Europe, he's, he's known for a temper. And he botched, the name. So. he botched the name very badly. It was, and it was like a different name. It was kind of sort of a, 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 a hokey voice. And so it sounded to him like they were mocking him. Don't mock Lithuanians. Oh, no. So the quarter ends like a second later. And Sharunas came over looking for his pound of flesh. Shaking his fist was screaming. So <laughs> he did not ask for the PA guy to get ejected. But that, I mean, I was laughing so hard. I could barely breathe because I know that I knew the guy he, he did. He meant no harm. I saw what had happened. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Devin Booker, by the way, last night had 30, uh, 46, 46, the sons have won won seven in a row. They've had a player score over 40 in four straight games. Durant, the previous two Booker had 52 against the Pelicans last week in the game where they started the win streak, Kevin Durant, which was in LA against the Lakers. I was at the game. Booker had 31 in that game. Durant went to, Booker before the game and said, Hey, they, they had scuffled a little bit. They had a couple losses in a row. And Durant said, Hey, don't worry about taking care of me. I'll mm-hmm. take care of me. You worry about taking care of you because, you know, Booker playing point guard or whatever. I know everybody says that it's no problem, but I don't think it's something you just pick up, you know, in your seventh, sixth, and seventh NBA season. And ever since Durant did that, Booker has been awesome. He's averaged 32 over the last seven games. He's looking for a shot again. He's playing grade A basketball and the Suns are winning. Now they've had a couple of big comebacks in there. It hasn't been the cleanest mm-hmm. winning streak, but they've won seven in a row. And um and they got a bunch of scufflers coming up too. I mean they've they've so they got a chance to rip off several more too. Got a long road trip, was, but they're all winnable night, games. Yeah, but last night was game one of a seven game road trip. So yeah. And they won it. And uh by the way, the the Suns won in Dallas. Yeah. I know Kyrie didn't play where Durant scored 12 points. Which is yeah. kind of the point of this team is that they have so much firepower that they can survive yeah. a night like that. Look, so. they're they've been phenomenal in January. Once Beal's been able to get his legs under them, you know they're they're starting to get a little bit of rhythm. And you know, you mentioned kind of the point book thing. I do think that has been a successful transition. I do argue that you can't just give a guy the point guard responsibility at that point of his career. I would introduce you to a gentleman named James Harden as proof that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plan was never just. Hey, Devin Booker, you're the point guard. You handle all the point guard responsibilities. The plan was always 
to have Beal kind of share, take a little, little bit less, but share some of those. So Beal coming back uh, really helps that. I mean, Beal as your third option is a ridiculous amount of firepower, and they move the ball. You know, they feel like they're they're starting to create an identity. You know, and I asked KD, you know, okay, what what is that identity? He said a team that's never going to be out of a game, which they've got two 20-plus point comebacks during this winning streak. That would that would prove that. Team that's going to make the right pass, play off each other, you know, on defense, swarm, create pressure, you know, being selfish, second or third efforts. And look, seven wins does not a season make. You know, they're not, they don't feel like we've arrived, we're here, mission accomplished. They certainly like the direction things are going right now with the Suns, and they should. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on them as they go through this road trip. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So the Bucks uh, got a win over the Cavs. Broke the the, uh, the Suns. I think have the longest win streak now because the Cavs' eight-game win streak was broken by the Bucks in their first game after letting Adrian Griffin go. Doc Rivers did not coach the game. Joe Pruny, Prunty, I should say. Sorry, Joe Prunty um, coached. Uh, Giannis had triple double, and I have to say, and we talked with Jamal Collier, our colleague, about the uh, the man- the move a couple days ago when when uh, Griffin was fired. It's been covered ad nauseum. What I am going to be fascinated is that it's the still the same personnel and you're bringing in, you know, this happened a couple of years ago when the Timberwolves hired Chris Finch mm-hmm. off of the Raptors staff and said, here, take this team. And it ended up working out. I didn't think it possibly would, but it ended up, he ended up really turning them around. One of the things that the Bucks have talked about, Bontemps, is the lack of organization, the lack of the strategy issue. So you know their personnel is a is a it's still gonna they're still gonna be defensively challenged with what they've done with the roster. We'll see whether Doc coming in midstream is able to truly make a difference on the defense because that is where his job mm-hmm. is gonna lie is trying to get them out of being the twenty second eighth worst I would say better described the defensive team. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, look, Doc is a a proven successful head coach, obviously. I'm sure he will be on a variety of levels, a better fit than Adrian Griffin. I think probably most importantly, he will have the respect, I would assume, of the star players on the team, which, I mean, Jamal and Ramona wrote a story about Adrian Griffin getting fired. Adrian Griffin got fired the moment Giannis checked himself back in the game the night before Thanksgiving in Boston, game I was at. Like, 
there, I was at that game. I watched that happen. And I said to myself, I don't know when this is going to happen, but this is, this is going to end one way. Cause when that happens in a national televised game, huge game between the two marquee teams in the East, and this happens in front of everybody, it's a sign that the best player on the team just does not respect the coach. Yep. And at the end of the day, though, all while all that is true, the Bucs are a horrific defensive team from a personnel standpoint now. And I just don't see what Doc Rivers is going to be able to do to change that. I have a whole bunch of numbers from Stats Williams, and you can say that the Bucs have been a top 10-ish defensive team when they've been in drop coverage of Brooke Lopez. But the key number to me of all the various stats they have is the Bucs were third defensively guarding on-ball screens last year, according to Second Spectrum, which basically means their guards did a good job getting over screens, led by Drew Holiday. This year, they're down to 25th. And at the end of the day, their perimeter defense can't stay in front of anybody. And you can do whatever you want with the drop. You can have Brooke Lopez back at the rim. It makes them a decent matchup for Philly, ironically. Doc's yep. former team, if they play in the second round. By the way, last I checked, I'm gonna look, I've meant to look it up earlier. I will check it when I'm done talking. The Bucks were projected as of a day or two ago to be fourth, and the Sixers and Cavs were projected to be second and third in that order. So I'm curious if after a couple the of Cavs, days, the Cavs have a more favorable case. record. They actually had the they had the chance they if they won these two games against the Bucks this week, they had the chance to catch them. Well, and, and well, the interesting thing is Milwaukee, as we've talked about, according to our internal basketball power index had the easiest schedule in the league through the first half of the season and they had the hardest schedule in the league over the second half of the season. So we will see how this goes, but you know, people have talked a lot about the, about the transition defense transition defense hasn't been great, but it's more mediocre than the worst in the league. As some have said, like it's not going to be just as simple as play harder to fix it. Like they have real structural flaws that they've had from the moment they made the trade. And the bet was, Damon Giannis on offense will be enough to fix it. Right. And, and you know what? It's so that far might, it hasn't been. Well, that, again, you say that. Where are they in the standings? Like, I, I get things were well, we're going to stop. Obviously, a mess. The well, man got fired with a thirty and thirteen yeah. record, though. They're still we're going to stop talking. We're going to stop talking about the record because they just fired the coach. Okay. So the idea but, that my, it's my, all my, the idea that it's all good. No, but I mean, I'm not saying for no. you, but I mean like the idea that, because the Bucks were saying it too. Oh, everything's fine. We're going to be fine. It's all going to be good. We're winning games. Things are great. Well, things aren't great because you just fired the coach. You're always saying something bad, Bontemps. Why is I, well, it had to be you well, to say something bad. Yeah, yeah you're always the just, first one to point this that's out. Right. That's <laughs> right. Listen, Giannis also said he had no idea this was coming. So they're, <laughs> they're not under oath. Like we don't have to believe everything that they say. I mean, come on, dude. Like they're not... Sometimes guys are full of crap. It's okay. We all understand that. We're growing. It's totally up okay. Yes, I know. But the, it's totally fine. They don't have to be an elite defensive team to have a chance to be a contender. They just can't be a really bad defensive team. I do think buy-in can make a difference. Look, if Doc can get them from bottom 10 to middle of the pack. They are still a historically elite offensive team, and I think there's meat on the bone for them uh, on that end of the floor. Like Dame and Giannis, like there's a lot of meat on the bone as far as those two working as a tandem instead of just kind of two separate brilliant offensive talents. But it's not can Doc Rivers get them back to being an elite defensive team because, like, you know, he doesn't have a magic wand. He can't get Drew Holiday back on the roster. Um, it's can they be average defensively with that group and that's his that's his challenge and that's why he's getting the big bucks 
Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, is that nobody in the Big league Bucks get it. Good job. Nobody in the league, including the players on the Bucks, looked at this team and said, "Oh yeah." When I, you know, I was wait, I was watching very closely to see yesterday if a litany of coaches came out and like ripped the Bucks for this move. I saw Magic did. Like, I don't know if it was on social media or whatever, but like, remember when David Black got fired and Greg Popovich like made this impassioned speech? Yeah, Carlisle did the same. The, yeah, the head of the well, Car- Rick Carlisle, who's the president of the coach association, this yeah. is like press play for him whenever like a successful yeah. coach gets fired. Yeah. Maybe I missed something. I saw nothing. I saw no coach come out and be like, this is a miscarriage of justice. Yeah, I didn't hear. The guy it was, was a 30 whole and 13 of- got fired. It was a whole lot of hey, if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. We understand how tough this business is. That you know that kind of stuff. But you're right, there was no like, wow, this guy got screwed. Right. So that kind of says all you need. That's that's sort of all you need to say. And I mean, yeah. I, I don't think anybody thinks it's personal. That's all you need to say. But but I mean, listen, why was Adrian Griffin hired? Let's just be honest, because he's the because guy the who best player signed him. off on it. That's right. Right. Why was he fired? Because Giannis checked out on him. And so, listen, the Milwaukee Bucks, as I mentioned to somebody at the American Airlines Center last night, <clears throat> are not the first NBA franchise to bend over in a pretzel to figure out a way to kiss the butt of their generational talent. That is part of the business of running an NBA franchise. You do whatever it takes to try to make and or keep those kind of talents happy. But it's got them into a situation now where they're making a midseason coaching change and paying three head coaches. And I'm not crying for the billionaires. I don't look, Jimmy Haslam's still gonna be able to pay his I'm not bills. crying for Doc Rivers either. No. <laughs> Although I was looking forward to seeing Doc who's supposed to call that game last night. Would have loved to hear his take on Luca's uh discussions with the referees, but he he hopped the flight out of Dallas yesterday. Yeah, uh Mike Breen had a uh, a classic comment in the stand-up before the game with yes, Doris. He did. What did he say? Yeah, I knew you were at the game, McMahon. He goes, I'd like to thank Doc for his many weeks of service. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jay Kidd had a pretty good one, too. He he always starts the uh, pregame press conference reading the injury report. Uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, Kyrie's going to be a game-time decision. Go through his rooms to make a decision. Uh, Luca's available. Uh, Dante Exum is available. Seth Curry available. Uh, Doc Rivers is out. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty it. good. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So we'll see how the bucks go. Um, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing that doc is picking up and, uh, I get I why mean, he took it, it is, because, because it's a team it that can win you, the championship got, this year and he just got the job in January. Like I, I get why he took it, but no, it's, it's yeah, I mean, he, he got a ton of money. It's a team with a, with big time talent. Like mm-hmm. it makes all the sense in the world from that standpoint. I mean, it's, you know, we'll just see what he can do. And like, I mean, like we said, I think the buy-in will help, but at the end of the day, the two teams they probably have to go through in the East, Philly and Boston, are top five in offense and defense. So the, hey. it's going to be a hard road, to, even if the Bucks get back to average, to be good enough to beat both of those teams in the playoffs. Listen, history tells you the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to be celebrating a championship in that Deer District, in the, uh, in the plaza that Giannis built, because there's only been two times in NBA history when a team has been off to – this type of successful start in terms of the standings and fired their coach midseason. The what was it, 1980 Lakers, I believe, with Jack McKinney, 10 and 4, 
a gentleman named Pat Riley took over and off here, here, here's showtime, baby. Well, that was a, didn't, that was on the bicycle accident. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he, I mean, he, that's circumstantial, but yeah, circumstantial. I, go ahead. That, that's one. And then the other one is the aforementioned David Blatt. And yes. that's when Ty Lue took over. And next thing you know, here come LeBron and the Cavs. And they are uh, coming back from 3-1 in the finals to claim Cleveland's first championship since Wendy was a, a wee lad. Uh, wee lad. I was, it was 64. I, was, I wasn't a glint in my parents' eye before. Oh, you look uh, much older than you are. Thank you. Uh, the Grays are coming. Uh, more story <laughs> time. I got a few more last night. <laughs> more story time. <laughs> when, when Ty Lue took over... Um, his first game, the Cavs got boat raced by the uh, by the by the Bulls. Like they scored like eighty six points or something like that. And Ty came into the post game press conference and said, "Every one of our players is out of shape. We're not ready to play this stuff." He like you know he basically like uh, dressed them all down like you know the new sheriffs in town. He basically said, "We want to play fast tempo, and these guys these guys aren't in good enough shape to play up tempo." So the next morning, LeBron at like seven in the morning or seven thirty in the morning posts a photo of himself working out, <laughs> but does it wearing next to no clothes, showing off his uh, physique. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a double thing going on there. One was, I'm listening to my coach and I'm getting in shape. But by the way, he wasn't talking about this guy. Yeah, look, by look by the way, I'm pretty <laughs> damn chiseled as it is. Yeah. Yeah, by yeah, the way, was. Jackson, our high quality producer, snarkily corrected me. Paul Westhead took over. That's correct. Jack and Kenny. Jason Seabat. Jason Siegel took over, and then Adrian Brody followed. Is that a uh, wing time reference? It is. Yes. I got a yeah. trivia question from the machine. Oh, my God. Oh, oh he's back out of retirement. I'm oh. telling you what. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be a good time you, to been, jump in with it. You've been like the Ben Simmons of the Wiz of the Quiz lately. Well, we haven't seen listen, <laughs> Brian, Brian likes to complain every time about having to do it, so I haven't done it in a minute. Well, exactly. if, you don't have, okay. if you don't have 38 answers, it wouldn't take you so long to come up with That's true. Well, that's true. And now, to present today's trivia question, the Wiz of the Quiz, Tim Bontemps. Did you guys, the Patrick Mahomes won another road game last weekend, beat the Bills, but inspired this trivia question from KP? Average uh, fan, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Do you Bill's uh, fan Tim Bontemps? <laughs> family certainly. Family certainly is. I was as a wee lad also, not much anymore, but my sisters were very sad on Sunday. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes did the Jordan and the Cavs move again to the Bills. Who is the all time who has the best all time winning percentage as a road player in the history of the NBA? So I'm guessing it's not as easy as LeBron. It's not LeBron. Bill Russell. It's not Bill Russell. Is it an obvious one? It's got to be a Celtic who just like dominated. It's not. For, like, it's not. It's not a Celtic. I have okay, the entire like, top ten. But I don't want top ten. Well, I know he didn't want the top ten. That's why I asked for the for the number. All right, one now we have to ask for a hint because we're talking about seventy-seven oh, wait, Hall years of Famer. history. No current player. Oh, oh, it's a best all time, and it's a current player, Steph Curry. Nope, that's a Hall of Famer. Well, he's not yet. Right. Is, Is this guy going to be a Hall of Famer? Yes. Okay. Not so a warrior. Clay Thompson. Not a warrior. Kevin Durant? Nope. Wait. Well, holy stumping. Kyrie. No, he had some bad games no. early in his career. Luka Doncic. No. Hmm. All right. Uh, will be a Hall of Fame player. Has never been on a bad team. George Niang. George Niang. <laughs> George Niang. <laughs> He's is, like third. <laughs> George Niang is ninth all time. <laughs> bang, bang, Luke, baby. There are two active players. Wait. This player be... and George Niang. Jason Tatum. <laughs> no. 
Oh, you said myself. There's a there's a might be a minimum game requirement on why Tatum isn't on it. I would think he'd be close, but he is not in the top ten from what KP sent me. All right, go Jimmy ahead. Butler. Not Jimmy Butler. Damn it. I am this so guy has two championships. Two championships. Oh, Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. Wow. There is one By other way. player who is active who has not played this season, who is in the top ten. Active who hasn't played this season. All right, help me out. I can't think. It's been a while. Danny Green is the other one. Danny Green's oh. fourth. He's active. Is he, is he active? Well, he hasn't retired. Just like he hasn't, he's he hasn't he's not on. He's season. not on a roster. He's not active. Not on a roster. Well, I well, I meant he has. He's I mean, he, he's hey. not like. <laughs> Frankly, you know what's going to happen? Winnie's going to tell him, hey, you're going to retire soon and break the news <laughs> to him. Top five are Kawhi, Magic Johnson, Tim Duncan, Danny Green, and Michael Cooper. Michael, Michael Cooper. Cooper. I love those socks Michael Cooper used to wear. And then six to ten is Manu, Larry Bird, Tony Parker, George Niang, and Scottie Pippen. George Niang. I love Gosh. the minivan, baby. The, hey, the minivan but, travels. You, <laughs> you should get a... Uh, Special mention there, McMahon, for getting George Niang. That was a that was more impressive than the. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this: George Niang didn't win any road football games at high school. Here we go. Here we go. Promise go. you that. Yeah. <laughs> KP was right. very happy we could we could get a podcast into the uh, into the trivia question. So I right. love minivan. Minivan's I, in it. My my alma mater, where I I had my Al Bundy football moments, no longer has a freaking football program. They ditched it, so they're undefeated this year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like Bonaventure, undefeated since 1954, I believe. Speaking of alma maters, I have to issue a special apology to Ooh. Wolves guard Jordan McLaughlin. I had a faux pas last night. I was at the Wizards-Wolves game in D.C. yesterday, and J- Jackson, our producer, is going to be annoyed with this. Uh, I, was, I was like, I had a brain fart, and I was, I was walking in the locker room, which, by the way, compliments to the wolves who were playing daft punk in the locker room 21 years covering the nba never have i heard daft punk being played wolves were blasting it, it blasting it i don't know what's what funnier songs. you not knowing who daft punk is or brian applauding the wolves on their music choices well the like only thing that would be more impressive band? to me is J- no, james brown needs to be played at more nba arenas but i mean aunt right edwards now. was singing. mike conley probably has james brown on an eight track as old as he is <laughs> anyway i come up to jordan mclaughlin who i know a little bit and i said hello and i made the mistake in my head thinking that he had gone to syracuse mm. and i was in the nice process job. of uh he, by the way he went to SC, like it, a horrible. Yeah, it's not mistake. even. It's not even. It's not even close. No, and which is what he kind of looked at me funny, like, "What the hell are you saying?" Jackson says he's not mad; he's just disappointed. I mean, that yeah, is a very weird. That is a very weird thing to mess up. It is very weird because, like, you know, obviously, I don't know every player in the league where they went on top of my head, especially if they're a third stringer. And like, when like I would, it was embarrassing. So I apologize, Jordan. My, there's a. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but there's a chopper circling overhead. I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming for me, boys. <laughs> well, McMahon, uh, was nice knowing you. <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
So anyway, I spent some time with the Wolves. I had this uh, terrific idea. Of, you know, I you know I feel like we needed some more Wolves coverage since they're you know number one team in the West. And uh, I was going to try to go catch them in Minnesota, but then like the worst weather for. 10 days hit the Midwest where like it was 10 inches of snow and minus 15 degrees. And I am not exaggerating on either of those. It was minus 15 free wind chill. Okay. So I went out to DC and it was going to be great. I was going to catch the wolves. You know, they had a little game with Charlotte the night before. No problem. Easy. Carl, against the sorry Hornets. Carl Towns, who I was going to sit down with on Tuesday goes for 34 in the first half. 44, the, but who's counting? Oh, he was. I know, so it was his teammates. 44. I know, I know the whole world was watching him be put up 70, but like Cat was on pace for almost the same. We and were watching. We were, uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of people watching the fourth quarter of that game in the Sixers locker room, including me and including the guy who scored 70 points. F- Wondering 44 if would he, be on pace for 88, sir. He had, no, he had 34. No, he didn't. He had, 40. He, had, he had 44 he had at half. 44 at half? Oh, my God. I thought yeah, Nice 34. job. Nice job, Brian. Nice job. Well, Jackson said hopefully four- on the Hornets feed watching Eric Collins. Uh, the sound was off, but the game the game was on. So yeah, well, com- I think much when- commentary in the locker room about the game from everyone yeah. watching. Well, long story short, the Hornets won. Carl Towns got benched in the fourth quarter because he was throwing up shots that Chris Finch didn't like. Throwing up um, shots, not contesting any on the other end. Blowing well, no, wide open well, layups. In fairness, not nobody good. was contesting any other on the other yeah, end. He had, he had uh, plenty of company in that misery. That's yeah, for sure. Chris Finch. So, then Chris Finch came in, and as the kids would say, ethered his team, and specifically yeah. Carl in the locker in the mm. post game yeah, press he, conference. He, he basically said, like five seconds into the presser, said it was an immature performance, disgusting um, and immature. I disgusting believe is and how he started it. Disgusting yeah. defensive and, and immature performance. That was literally yeah. the first sentence out of his yeah. mouth in the post yeah. game. That was yeah, and that was then harsh. He said, for the whole game. And he basically said yeah. that it was just a stat chasing display of puke. I mean, that's not a direct <laughs> quote, but that's a summary. Yeah. He was displeased. Yeah. <laughs> and How'd that go over? Th- and then a few questions later, you know, one of the reporters, John Krasinski of office fame, just kidding, different spelling, uh, asks him, you were talking about cat, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. He said, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just to be clear, so, by the way, that's one of those where it's like, Jay Kidd rips them for rips the Mavericks for uh, losing focus because of the referees. You're, you're talking about Luca, right? Obviously, it, it, it reminded <laughs> me of uh, when Magic Johnson came on to um, first take after he, he quit his job as a Lakers president, and uh, <laughs> Stephen A. was like, "Did anybody else? When you say people are backstabbing, we you know, were you talking about anybody else besides Rob Palinka? No, just Rob. <laughs> just to cl- um, just to clarify." Yeah, just the way he said it was funny. Anyway, 12 hours later, I was in a hotel in D.C. and I was watching the Timberwolves uh, arrive. And on a gigantic screen in this gorgeous hotel lobby was NBA Today. I guess it was more than 12 hours, 15 hours. And uh, as Chris Finch is walking through the lobby, his his, his rant is playing. running on NBA Today. Like he walked right in front of it. Oh, I was like... Good boy. All right, let's have our interview. Awkward. The so Wendy anyway. Jinx continues. <laughs> I hadn't even done anything yet. <laughs> well, you were preparing to talk to him. The Jinx was full in full effect. Yeah, I actually By the way, it was a pretty strong. You remember Wendy last week telling us Mike Conley might be the most important Timberwolf, not the most talented, not the most productive. Yeah. Yes. The most important. Well, Mike Conley was wearing a very fancy little puffer vest while sitting on the bench resting that night. 
He also, he also didn't play uh, Wednesday night against the Wizards either. He's got a hamstring, I think a tight hamstring. By the way, I think, though, just in general, regardless of that, I think if they're if the Wolves are going to do anything at the deadline, I think it's to get another another guard another guard because yeah. they you know they they started Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's a backup, and my man Jordan McLaughlin, Syracuse great, was playing too. But like they, they may, I wouldn't be surprised if these games with uh, Conley. Well, they they have I mean they have the inverse problem of Milwaukee, ironic, which is ironic given we're talking about a team where, where we just got done talking about Carl Anthony Towns scoring 62 points, but they've been the best defensive team. Like we've talked about before on yeah. the pod, they've been the best defensive team in the league by a lot this year. They're 19th in offense and their offense is just not good enough. Probably as it stands right now to get all the way through the West. Yeah, so and that's, if they that's can just... find a way to improve between now and the deadline, that's where you would like to see it. Ideally is to get somebody else that could give them some more juice at that end of the court. Cause if they get into a big playoff series against Denver or one of these league teams, they're going to have to be able to keep up and it's going to be hard to make it a 100 to 95 game, which is probably the kind of game that they're going to have to try to win. Well, I will say this. The fact that the cat is, you know, Biggs promote self-proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time. And certainly on the short list. And that Anthony Edwards is an immense offensive talent, but Ant is still early in his development as a crunch time go-to guy. You know, the cojones are there. The decision-making is... Ant turns the ball over under pressure at times, and the whole league is aware of it. And then the scouting report is... Because you really have a hard... He gets going to the basket. He had he had a great game against the Wizards. He had 38, and he had a great line after the game where he's like, going to the rim doesn't require any... You don't have to have rhythm to go to the rim, what he said. <laughs> not, not when you're that the rim doesn't need athletic. The rim doesn't need rhythm. Which Ant has a as a way of being profound. He's one of the best interviews in the league. But if you're playing you know, with Jade McDaniels and Rudy Gobert, it mm -hmm. the the court gets tighter and smaller, and right. it it you're just you don't have a lot of offense out there, even with those two right. guys. They, they actually, playing well. ironically, as Finch was unhappy that that Towns. And by the way, let me just say this: in early parts of that game, they were getting all their offense through straight pick and rolls. The um. The horns just weren't guarding towns on on pick and pops, and he was just killing them. And then Carl did start hunting. The the thing about it is, they actually want Carl to take more threes because they want the floor space. They want to punish teams a little bit. And more, he's got it. I mean, he is a terrific shooter. He's got to take more threes. That's a that's that's one way they can really juice their offense is if he is shooting more threes. And that was a big thing about that game. He was fourteen for sixteen in the first half and eight for nine from three. Like right. he, had, he had his first eight, and that's what. When he hit his eighth to go eight for eight, that's when Eric Collins from the uh, Hornets broadcast, like he just screamed basically when the eighth straight three went in, which was a deep one. What What was your feel for how Cat responded to Finch basically blasting right. him after he broke the franchise record for right. scoring? Right. So here's the thing. The answer to your question is I spent quite a bit of time with Cat on Tuesday and Wednesday and Cat was totally and I mean, like, I'm not saying that he's telling me how it's 100% how he feels, but I'm just mm -hmm. telling you on and off the record, Cat was totally fine. He understood what Finch was saying. I don't think that it was the greatest moment of uh, his career. It was a real bummer that he scores 60 points in a game, 62, 62 and that it has like no value to him now well, it, it was an embarrassing 62 point performance. yeah it became it, it like, became a meme unfortunately yeah. and the first well, half like, was unbelievable like he you know it was, you know his agent was saying that they you know there was a there was a request for memorabilia from the game afterwards and they were like sure i mean you sure you, you sure you want it like and then, yeah. you know it's real and you know a couple of years ago he scored 60 points in a game 
That was his previous career high. And Timberwolves made up little like uh, bucket hats that had Cat with the number 60 on them. And they were leaving on a four-game road trip the next day. Cat had already packed. And so he showed me he had he had just packed to wear the bu- that hat. He had it on the road with him. And he's like, look at this. He's like, I, you know, he's like, oh. And this just felt weird to wear that. So yeah, um, the, the 62 buckets will be something for you to puke into. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate that he wore it to the game last night. He had it I mean, he had it on in the post-game uh, uh, interview. I don't know if there was any cameras, but he was wearing it in the locker room. So, wow. you know, I don't know if he was making a joke there or whatever. But um, so anyway, uh, more to the, the smaller moment. Chris Finch, who's always sort of honest, which I respect. Like I said, as a media member, I love that when a guy's doing that. I will say, though, if you want to call some of the shots, you know, first off, it was an all-time performance. And whether you like it or not, not the greatest idea to rip a guy who scores 62. You may want to also say, hey, that was pretty good performance, which Chris Finch did two days later. He kind of, I would say, walked it back a half step and made sure to acknowledge it with, uh, with everybody. The thing about it is, like, an immaturity, which is what Chris Finch was saying, is an issue for the Wolves. They and had two guys. They, they had two guys. That he's harped on. Remember when they came to Dallas, he was talking about how much this team had matured. Yeah. Right. Well, just as a reminder, last game of the regular season, they had two guys get knocked out for throwing punches. One of them at a wall, Jade McDaniels, and one of them at a teammate, Rudy. Yes. So, you know, and I wouldn't say anybody would say Rudy's immature. So, you know, and then Ant has moments. So, look, it, it is one of the challenges. Finch is, it, you know, I don't know if it was handled as uh, maybe politically correct as it could have been, but that was Chris Finch's attempt to hold his team accountable. And I will say this, they didn't play that great against the Wizards, Yeah, but they really did move the ball. There was a lot more democratic process. And I will say also that from 30,000 feet, looking at this team, they are a very good team. They are definitely susceptible offensively. They definitely have to worry about this immaturity thing. They are a very, very good team. I think seeing you know Rudy play live for the first time this year, Rudy looks spectacular. Yep. Maybe you can bring me tape from when he was first starting to win Defensive Player of the Year when he was with the Jazz, where he was quicker, but he has never looked more spry on his feet than he has this season. He may have been easily the best defensive team in the league because of him. My God, is he covering ground? I mean, obviously, he's th- three-time defensive player of the year. He obviously, yep. but like, even by his own standards, he is all over the place. And look, like when they're when Cat and Ant get going in their two-man game, which they're constantly working on. One of the things that I've noticed watching the Wolves this year, when I'm allowed to watch them, <laughs> is that you know a lot when of times all the way to DC to see. I know. Can you believe that? One of the things I've noticed is that Cat and Ant pretty much talk going in and out of almost every huddle. Maybe not every single one, but like frequently they're communicating mid-game about stuff. And I asked both of them about what they're talking about. And it's almost always offensive two-man game stuff. Whether or not it's super successful every night, they are making an earnest effort to play together. And, you know, one. and again, you can bring me tape that disputes this. You can bring me numbers that dispute it. When I've watched the Wolves and I've talked to all of them and when my view, I've talked to Finch about it, Towns is actively trying to engage Ant as the leading scorer. He is trying to, you know, when, when they first came into the league, it was Ant who was sort of setting up Towns. Towns is now doing more setting up, and he's trying. And again, you may be able to bring me advanced stats that disputes this. He's trying to take care of the big man. You know, he's trying no, to no. take care of Gobert. Yeah, he and, and honestly, that's Cat obviously missed a lot of last year, but even last year when it was really clunky and 
it wasn't, things weren't fitting. When I talked to Rudy, Rudy said, man, and obviously this is when Danza Russell was their point guard. When I talked to Rudy, Rudy's like, you know, Cat's the guy who passes the ball to me the most. Like, I feel, you know, Rudy's always felt like he's had some good chemistry uh, with Cat. And look, the one reason I was surprised that Finch was that blunt and that harsh, despite the fact that I think he had a lot of accurate points based on that specific night is because I do think you have to give Cat credit for willingly accepting that it's an Ants team, that he's the number two guy, you know, he's the number two option, figuring out how to kind of fit into that role and thrive in that role. And he's obviously the weak link defensively, but you're not the number one defense if the weak link is just completely mailing it in. He is much more often than not playing hard within a scheme that protects him defensively and and handling his responsibilities there. So I think when we've talked about this before, I do think that Cat deserves credit for the way that he has adapted and fit into a team that's now tied for first place in the Western Conference. And for all those reasons, I was surprised that Finch came out just with the flamethrower the other night like he did. The only reason reason I'll I'll take the other side of that is for what you said before, they're tied for first in the West. They're in tied in the loss column with Oklahoma City. They're one loss ahead of Denver and the Clippers. They can't afford to be losing games in Charlotte. Like that, that I think is yeah. what caused him to come out like that. And I get it. For them, it's going to be hugely important as a young team to have home court advantage in these series. I know they've got some vets, but with Anthony and Carl, guys who haven't been in the playoffs much, they and Jane McDaniels has been in the playoffs. Obviously, didn't really play last year in the playoffs. <laughs> he definitely didn't play. They didn't play in the playoffs because <laughs> that was the, the last cast. game of the season. That's right. Like <laughs> it will be very yeah. important for them to have home court advantage and to be and to have an easier role potentially in the first round, playing maybe a playing team, right? So like they can't afford to be losing these kind of games. And that I think again, he probably went a little too hard just in general, but I can understand the frustration because you're trying to move this thing along. And that loss might be the thing that has them fourth instead of first in right. and, two months. And look, it's been a heck of a half season in Minnesota, but it has been a half season and it's going to be a fight for the top seed in the West. I which mean, is kind of what, which is kind of what Rudy was saying last night, which is that, you know, uh, being in first through 40 games doesn't mean anything. And that's a no. guy who's, who's, who's been in first through 40 games. I yeah. think several There's times. The, that's right. The, and through 82. Young Thunder just keep racking up wins. I mean, obviously, I know, they do. Champion Nuggets, the Clippers, who they didn't stumble for a couple of weeks after the Harden trade, they'd be probably at the top now. And then here come the Suns. Do 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 do. Here come the Clippers. Right, and as of right now, as of Thursday afternoon, it's projected by our internal system to be Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, Bulls in that order. Suns at five or no? Suns at six. Really? Pelicans at five. Pelicans. I'll bet against that one. So uh, the Clippers are about to go out on their Grammy trip, the final Grammy trip for the Clippers in the Clippers history, because um, they won't need to clear out of uh, crypto for the Grammys for whatever, seven to 10 days. Sorry, next year. So Lakers and Clippers about to head out east. So we'll see the Clippers can keep that winning. By the way, just to set the world on fire for a second, Mavericks projected to finish seventh, Warriors eighth, Kings ninth, Jazz 10th, Lakers 11th. Just That's interesting on the Warriors. I'll tell you and that. Rockets, and Rockets, 12th. Rockets had a bad loss last night. Phase, phase, night. phase two is taking a little dip since they had to deal with bond temps. That's for sure. 
The other team that played last night, we're not going to have a lot of Wizards talk on the pod this year, but they let uh, their coach go. Was unsell. I didn't know I was oh, seeing promoted him. He's in the front office. I, I I didn't know I was. I just said hello to him very briefly. I didn't know it was the last time he's going to be coaching in the Wizard uh, last night. I didn't know I was seeing that. The Wizards have seven wins. I don't know how many losses they've got, but uh, they've got seven wins. Um, a lot more than seven. <laughs> I think you can. I can sum this game up in the Wizards' experience with you know, like I said, the the Wolves didn't play particularly well, but you know, mm. Conley was out. They won. The Wolves had a bigger lead, but it was a five point game with about three and a half minutes or so to go. The Wizards get a stop and they're in transition and Jordan Poole pulls up from 27 feet in a five-point game with the ball. And there was an audible groan inside Capital One Arena when that sucker clanged off the rim. I don't know if... I I think the Wolves scored immediately. In my head, it was an and one, but I I just... I was just like, oh my God. Like, Um, I'm not going to sit here and... I'm not going to sit here and try to say Wes Unseld is Red Auerbach. But this this is a terrible basketball team that was built to be a terrible basketball team and is a terrible basketball team. Yeah, and so, not, it's not a, it's not a serious team. And like I don't know, man. I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen the Wizards live once this well, season. We don't, we don't have to break down the Wizards. What I would say is that they believed that I don't think they I don't think they saw themselves as a playoff team clearly. But I think yeah. they didn't see themselves having seven wins. I think what they wanted was for their players to have something to fight for still in January, February, March, even if that was just fighting for the 10th seed. But that was also never real. That was not, it's well, not realistic either. You can say I'm, that. I'm not, I'm not I'm defending you the way they looked at it. Well, I, I'm not defending. I'm not saying that Wes Unsell didn't deserve to get let go. Their team has been terrible, but this is this was going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Yes. And it's one of the worst teams in the league this year. And we're probably going to see three teams win less than 20 games, in part because the league is deeper in good mm-hmm. teams and teams trying to win than it has been in a long time. So it's not particularly surprising to me, based off how the season is going, that they're this bad either. Now, they've had a lot of fourth quarters where they've fallen apart late. Well, that's that's just been awful. Like that's I said, the reason of- that's the reason that Wes kind of got let go is because they've had some second halves. Even this game, they were ahead in the first half. Yeah. They've had some they've had some games where they were either ahead or right in the first half and they've just withered down the stretch. Again, we don't have to look blow by blow. Here's what's important. Here's what I want to say. The challenge with the Wizards rebuild right now is that they don't really have extra picks. Yeah. They got three second rounders for Bradley Beal and getting off of that contract was important for them to do. And you could almost argue if that was the only thing that they got accomplished this year, that they would have stepped forward, but they ended up flopping that to get Jordan Poole, who is not working out. Uh, that, that is now a contract. That is now a toxic contract at this point. So mm-hmm. the, the challenge that they have is they obviously are going to need draft picks to restock that team more than just the picks that they have. And they owe a pick going forward. I think they yeah, owe it's, a, a, it's a it's a it's a it's an extraordinarily protected. unlikely yeah. to convey pick to the Knicks. It's, it's I it's agree. But pick that's the point is, all over the world. the point is they're actually negative pick. They're actually right. minus one picks, first round picks. So the question is, is you know, in this next two weeks, the deadline's two weeks from today, can they acquire any picks? And I think just about the whole roster is available, and Tyus Jones being at the front of that. And yeah. they are going to be hunting for draft picks. They are they that's what is what they need the most, especially if they can squeeze a first, even if they're looking at guys where they're not even getting a quote unquote good first. They have to to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's a mandate. And so whether or not they're gonna be able to complete any trades, I mean, you know, I, I think if you look at their roster, the guys who you're looking at possible, tra- you know, I, I, I the, the one thing I 
we talk around the league is that Bilal Kobali, their uh, yeah, their uh, rookie from France. By the way, uh, McMahon. Tuesday night, Rudy Gobert's a documentary about Rudy Gobert's life was shown. It's coming out soon at the French Embassy. There was an event at the French Embassy. We oui, we oui. uh, and you know with Bilal in attendance. But yeah. anyway, uh, other than Koulibaly, I think they'll talk about anybody on their roster. I think Tyus is the most likely to be traded. They- but, they have to trade Tyus Jones because there will be interest in him and he's in a contract year. He's um, going to get he I'll be stunned if Tyus Jones isn't traded in the next two weeks. I, I tell you what, though, you know, DeJounte Murray's on the market. We just saw Terry Rozier get moved. They they get a first round pick there. Um, Malcolm Brogdon. Could be Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, there's there's a few point guards out there that I think. Yeah, I, I don't really think they're getting a the first team. for Tyus Jones, but they'll probably get multiple seconds for him. And I'll be stunned if he's on the team. Just makes uh, too much sense. Denny, Ad- uh, Denny Advia uh, is a guy who, you know, he's developed into a nice defensive player. He signed a contract that is not viewed as bad. Um, Basically a mid-level contract is what he's agreed to. You know, I, I don't think they're looking anxious to get rid of him, but I do think there's some desire for him on the market. The two Daniel, most obvious guys on the team are who you were just going to say, Daniel Gafford and Tyus Jones. Those are the yeah. two guys that make sense to move. I personally would be trying to move Kyle Kuzma if I were them. I think it's. I don't think he's going to get traded. Personally, we will. Well, see. I think their price for Kuzma is pretty high, and they do. That's want, why I don't think he'll get traded. I mean, the word on the street is that when if you call the Wizards right now and ask for Kuzma, they want two firsts for him. So I don't know if they're getting that. But, but whether it's second round picks or first round picks or whatever, I mean, they, Michael Winger, the first thing he did was bring in Will Dawkins, who's came from Oklahoma City. Is mm-hmm. a, He is a draft and develop guy, and they're going to be drafting and developing players. And whether they're getting seconds or first or whatever, like you said, the next two weeks is going to be about getting as much as they can to move forward with the guys that they've got. Also, they have Kulabal. Travis Schlank in their front office, who was yep. the general manager in Atlanta. One of the best drafters, draft record. Another, of all another scout scout who is going to yes. be out there looking for players. Too. He was a part of the the guys who built the dynasty in, in Golden State with through the draft. If you look at Atlanta, even though they have not achieved, their draft picks have generally been really good. Jalen Johnson maturing this year into a real, real good-looking player. Another good-looking uh, pick from Travis Schlank. So they yep. want to let Travis go out there and find them players, but they need picks to do it. So yep. I would I would think that the Wizards would be adding picks in the next two weeks if you're looking for players to go. So, But uh, yeah, it was an interesting night in Washington, to uh, say the least. But not as interesting as your night in Dallas, McMahon. So, per usual. Uh, yeah, I, I, had, I had no such uh, excitement in the post-game interviews, uh, just uh, putting my foot in my mouth. Uh, all right, thank you for listening to Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson and Parker, our producers for this show. Thank you to McMahon and Bontemps. Thank you for listening. We got a little something coming up that next week where they got a little wrinkle in the uh, Hoop Collective. So uh, the show that typically uh, publishes on Monday, the podcast is now going to air on ESPN2 on Tuesdays in the afternoon. I don't even know a time it's going to air on Tuesdays. But um, if if you believe it or not, they, you know we're on the cutting p.m. edge. What time? 2, 2 o'clock. Okay. We're on the cutting edge, guys. We're going to lin- we're taking this show to linear TV. Ooh. That's right. Nobody, nobody is more forward looking than us here at the Hoop Collective. So uh, that starts uh, next week. But you can still hear the podcast on Monday as usual and watch it on YouTube. But you know, if you're not doing anything on Tuesday at two o'clock, you can Eastern. You can uh, you can check us out. 
Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.